Welcome back to the Vine Church podcast. Today, we will be continuing our devotional series, The Gospel According to Zechariah. If you haven't already, you can find us on YouTube at the Vine Church Heart, and we'd love to have you join us over there. Hello everyone, and welcome back to our devotionals in Zechariah. This morning we're in Zechariah chapter 8, and I'm just going to read the first few verses. It starts like this. Then another message came to me from the Lord of Heaven's armies. This is what the Lord of Heaven's armies says. My love for Mount Zion is passionate and strong. I am consumed with passion for Jerusalem. And now the Lord says, I am returning to Mount Zion, and I will live in Jerusalem. Then Jerusalem will be called the Faithful City. The mountain of the Lord of Heaven's armies will be called the Holy Mountain. This is what the Lord of Heaven's armies says. Once again, old men and women will walk Jerusalem's streets with their canes and will sit together in the city squares. And the, and the streets of the city will be filled with boys and girls at play. Now, I just want to stop there before we uh, go too far into the chapter, because I think there's something amazing here to draw out. And I think it's something that requires us stepping back a bit and looking at Zechariah really in the whole of the Old Testament, understanding it in its context and what it tells us about God himself. I think there's something we can often forget about God, or at least take for granted about God, which is how passionately he identifies himself with his people. Why, the, these verses that I've just read out, why does God uh, declare his passionate love for Mount Zion and, uh, and his love for them, and then his desire to return to them, and that his desire to renew his people why is he repeating what he's already said? This was the message of Zechariah 1 and 2. So why is it now coming again in that kind of staccato formula? You know, all of these starts with, this is what the Lord of Heaven's army says. This is what the Lord of Heaven's army says. In other words, God is just repeating what has already been said in the book in order to make a point about himself. Now, as I say, let's just step back and think about the kind of God that God is. One of the things that I think is so profound about God, as I say, is the way he identifies himself with his people. In Exodus 3, when Moses comes into his presence, when he's there as a burning bush, and he identifies who he is to Moses, what does he say? He says, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God identifies himself by identifying with his people. Uh, think of it as though if someone asked me, who are you? And I said, I am Anna's husband. I'm identifying myself with reference to my bride. I'm identifying myself with reference to, uh, to my, my people, if you like, my family. In the same way, God is identifying himself to Moses with reference to those whom he's made promises to, with those whom he has come to, to dwell with. And those promises that he, that he makes to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to Moses, to the people of Israel, is that he will dwell with them. He's not a God who wants to remain on the outside. He's not a God who simply gives commands from above. He's the God who comes to dwell with them. He identifies his name with them. If you want to know who he is, look at how he dwells with his people. And his purposes are to come and dwell with them. He bears our name. And so there's a sense, really, in which 
God is not himself, is not doing what he intends to, to do, he's not being who he intends to be, if these promises to dwell with his people are not met. There's a sense in which if the Old Testament were to finish in the way it does, kind of like a bit of a damp squib really, it hasn't launched in the way, it hasn't landed in the way that we expect it to land from the promises that are made early on. There's a sense in which if God had left it that way, he wouldn't be God. God is himself when he fulfills the promises he has graciously made to his people to dwell with them. That's why we see him being, uh, him descending and dwelling in a tent for a, for a period of time and then coming to be in a temple. Now, Zechariah, bear in mind, is coming off the back of this where God has sent his people away into Babylon. He sent them away into exile. And now they're starting to regather again. And it might be easy to say for those in Babylon, maybe God is done with us. It looks like we're no longer God's people. But as I say, God identifies himself with reference to his people. So it's highly unlikely. In fact, we could say God wouldn't leave it like that. It's his desire to dwell, uh, to, to bring them back to himself, to dwell with them. And so his passion comes in glorifying himself through fulfilling the promises to his people. So why does Zechariah start with the, the passion uh, of God's love for Jerusalem and then say it again in chapter 8? Why does Zechariah start with the promise that he will return to Mount Zion, that he will return to the holy place? And then say it again in chapter 8. Why does God make this comment about old men and women walking through Jerusalem streets? That the city being filled with boys and girls playing. It seems such a, perhaps a mundane image for a, a divine accomplishment. Boys and girls playing. You know, it's the ELO, Electric Light Orchestra, their song, Mr. Blue Sky. It talks about walking through the street and seeing everyone playing. It's a wonderful image, but it's not something that we might associate with the all-creating, you know, all-powerful God in charge of everything, that his desire is boys and girls playing in the streets. And then the next verse where he says that this is what the Lord of Heaven's army says, all this may seem impossible to you now, a small remnant of God's people, but is it impossible for me, says the Lord of Heaven's armies. It doesn't seem like that's what's going to happen, but not only is it not impossible for God, but that's what God has promised and that's what he will be delighted to accomplish because he bears our name. And so Zechariah repeats these uh, promises or rather God through Zechariah repeats them because sometimes we need to be reminded that God is God who is passionate for us. He bears our name. And in the same way, we who call ourselves Christians bear his name. We bear the name of Christ. It's a wonderful covenant relationship that God has come to enter into. He bears our name and we bear his name. His passion is to dwell with us, to give us that beautiful image of harmony in a society, that beautiful image of peace and serenity as you walk down the street. That is God's intention because he loves us. So let's uh, respond to that as we pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the God that you are. We thank you, Lord, that you desire to dwell with us, that you desire to make good on your promises. So Lord, we pray that we would uh, respond as you bear our name by bearing your name and carrying that flag. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.